Shalom Shalom and peace, y'all. Welcome to the Reverend Dan and Rabbi Matt podcast, where two Texas clergy from two different faiths talk about everything from koofy caps to interfaith arm wrestling. I'm Reverend Dan. And I'm Rabbi Matt, and this podcast is proof that peace is possible. Welcome to the Reverend Dan and Rabbi Matt podcast. We're glad that you're with us. I'm sitting across from my good friend, Rabbi Matt, uh, coming at you from Texas A&M Hillel. And um, uh, I'm Reverend Dan. And what are we going to do on the show today? We're going to check in with each other. And then we're really excited because we have yes. our first guest to the podcast. First special guest. Imam Islam Basad. And uh, we'll be introducing him in a little bit. But uh, first, just wanted to check in. So, uh let me tell you what's going on with me. How about that? Yeah, why don't that you exciting? start? I was, I was going to ask you. I'll be uh, self-indulgent. But I, I won't, don't need to. Okay, I want to let you know about uh, our good friend Trent Williams. You've met him, Reverend Trent Williams. Um, we had an installation service over at Friends Congregational Church a few days ago for him. He has awesome. officially been installed. Fantastic. As our associate pastor over uh, at Friends Church. How does that installation take place? What, what, does, it, what does it mean to install? Uh it means well it it means basically what it says is that uh he has answered our call to serve as the associate pastor mm-hmm. but to celebrate that to affirm that as a congregation we have what's called an installation service and there's liturgy out of the UCC's book of worship and our association minister comes and offers remarks and a charge to him and i was honored with saying a few words as well, affirming him and giving him some advice that I wish that I had gotten when right. I was called as a pastor of the church. What, what was the advice? Good pomp and circumstance. What was the advice? Yeah, I told him he doesn't have to wear a tie every Sunday. That oh, was the okay. advice. It's making me look bad. I never wear a tie on Sunday. <sighs> Maybe I need to come over here, but we're not going to do that. Tell me about you. What's going on in your world? Well, last night we uh, we had the first initial meeting of a brand new organization of Jewish progressives for Brazos County. First time this has happened in the area. Uh, bringing together students as well as Jewish community members to deal with progressive issues. Because I felt like in the community, in these interfaith uh, events and programs and all the work we're doing in social justice, I didn't feel like I could – I can't represent Hillel. Hillel is an umbrella organization. I, I needed to form a, a progressive group that I could then be the liaison of as the, the clergy member of that group. And so we got together. We talked about kind of priorities. You know, there's – there's an overwhelming number of issues to work on right now, nationally, statewide, and locally. And so it was challenging to prioritize what are we going to do. But what we thought about doing first was bringing together different minority groups, this Jewish progressive group, meeting with the NAACP, Hispanic leadership, um, with the mosque, and dealing with the issue of white nationalism that seems to be on the rise. There are fires that are regularly being posted on campus by white nationalist groups. And we want to bring together people of color and talk about that and how to deal with it. Maybe bring out the ADL, Southern Poverty Law Center, and kind of have a community convening. And so that's our first priority, but also to work on state issues and national issues as well. And so many of the issues that you're talking about are overlapping. They're often overlapping. Absolutely. And so even if you could 
argue, you know, hypothetically, even if you could at Texas A&M Hillel do all this by yourself, mm-hmm. if it were a homogenous organization where everybody was in agreement about right. particular issues, you still wouldn't be able to tackle them all. No. Because there are, it's happening every day, and again, they overlap, which lends itself to everybody working together, something that I think is the silver lining with all this. Right. Yeah, it has to be the collaborations, and it is the silver lining. And in the past few weeks, I've had the opportunity to meet several new individuals in the community who are community leaders. Um, had breakfast with Ann Bonnie last week. Fantastic first time meeting her. She's the president of the local NAACP. And um, learning from her and learning her perspectives were, were really fascinating. What was one of the takeaways from meeting with Ann Boney? Well, one of the big takeaways that um, that comes to mind is, you know, from her perspective, is that in terms of local law enforcement, City of College Station, City of Bryan, Brazos County Sheriff's Office are, are fairly responsive to the African-American community, which I was heartened to hear, that anytime there's some kind of incident involving African-Americans in the community, chiefs will call her and get her involved and bring her to the table and make sure that the the black community is informed about what's going on and so there's transparency there yeah that's been i've found that to be really uh well consistent and refreshing mm-hmm. we've had a group of clergy uh that's been working with the brazos interfaith immigration network right. who had the opportunity to meet with the chief of police for mm-hmm. Bryan, chief of police for college station and our county sheriff and we were asking them specifically about uh policing of the immigrant community and what that's like for them, we were wondering, uh, or what stances they take on that, rather, and also wondering whether they would be uh, taking, uh, or how how can I put it, if they're going to work with ICE, Mm -hmm. uh, with Immigration and Customs Enforcement, to police the immigrant community, essentially, to help with the deportations. And they were saying, no, we have enough on our plate as it is. Um, And recently there was a story that the sheriff said that, you know, not going to do that, not going to be training our officers to do that. So that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's good news. However, uh, even though it's it's great that the chief of police for uh, Brian College for Brian and for College Station mm-hmm. and the sheriff are saying these things. They can't speak for every single officer as much as they would like to, and as much as we want to be able to build trust, we know that um, they can't speak for every situation every True. single yeah. day. And so I mentioned that just because the, those statements are made, but mm-hmm. then you hear accounts from. Uh, people in the immigrant community that say, actually, I feel like I am targeted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like because of the color of my skin and the the car that I drive that I'm uh, pulled over and I'm asked questions that are not asked of people who don't have the color skin that I have. And and, uh, so that's not the same for every single officer. That's not the same for every single occasion. I bring it up simply to say that we've got to continue to be vigilant. Absolutely. Vigilant in our dialogue with each other. Vigilant in talking about um, these different scenarios so that our law enforcement can uh, be informed about this mm-hmm. so that we can continue to work with the chief of police and our sheriff to make this a good environment for everybody in our community, including the immigrant community. Right. And, and you mentioned 
been, and uh, that's really one of the main reasons why I worked to develop this Jewish social justice organization, because most many churches in the area, progressive churches especially, are members of BIN. But again, I didn't feel like Hillel could be a member of it. I've been attending these interfaith clergy meetings. And so now that we have a Jewish social justice organization, that organization could be a member of BIN. Something else, Matt, that I wanted yeah. to share with you was about the National Weekend of Prayer for Transgender Justice. Mm-hmm. It was something that uh, took place just over this past weekend. It was nationwide. It was uh, multi-faith, um, and hence it happening over the entire weekend. It wasn't just something for Christian churches on Sunday. Okay. And you could participate in it in any number of ways, uh, but we opted to do it by having it be a centerpiece in the sermon. So I hmm. spoke about uh, transgender justice in the sermon, okay. and um, some of it had to do with the uh, SB6 yeah. the bathroom bill that we've talked about a couple times before Absolutely. on the show, but you kind of had an update with how you feel that's yeah, well, devolving. First of, all, first of all, huge kudos to our friend Pastor Mindy Roll, uh, who had an op-ed published in our local paper, The Eagle, today uh, against SB6. It's beautifully written. It was awesome. Beautiful. Thank editorial. you. Thank you, Reverend Roll. And uh, you know, I'm noticing that more and more state legislators are coming out against SB6, especially Joe Strauss, who is the Speaker of the House, who's said it's not of interest to him. Um, I read a, a statement from another legislator who, whose name I, I don't recall who said there's already existing laws that prevent men from going into women's restrooms and harassing them and we don't need additional laws and i'm heartened to hear that um you know this is sb6 is transphobic legislation and it's not something that texas needs uh in fact a few weeks ago here at hillel a there was an outside agency renting space at hillel uh for a rubik's cube competition and there was a a young man who went into the women's restroom uh to bother a woman and he was he called the police, and he was quickly arrested. The laws exist. So you know, when a, if someone wants to violate that privacy, the laws already exist on the books to, to handle it. We don't need SB6, which is transphobic in nature. Right. And one of the great things that, uh, you know, speaking again of uh, Mindy Roll's editorial that mm-hmm. she points out, is she talks about how um, even the author of the bill, when pressed, admitted that right. there had been zero zero incidents of transgender persons assaulting others in restrooms in the state of Texas. So, This is just an attempt of the lieutenant governor to to garner his his far, far right support um, with a non-issue. At the same time, one of the things that was encouraging, uh, getting back to we talked about silver lining, Mm -hmm. is that regardless of SB6 in Texas, the National Weekend of Transgender Justice was all across the country. And um, even though that bill may hopefully be going to the waste bin, right. uh, it still gives us an opportunity to talk about the experience of our transgender exactly. and gender nonconforming neighbors. And one of the things that I pointed out in the sermon mm-hmm. was shared with me actually by a clergy colleague who had the opportunity to try and go testify, mm-hmm. um, speak to the committee that had uh, written the bill. Right. And uh, it lasted a good 16 hours, the mm-hmm. hearing. Right. Um, and he said that when he walked into the hospitality room mm-hmm. getting ready to speak, that it was the largest gathering of out transgender 
people and allies that he'd ever seen in one place, certainly in a place of power. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then second, he was, he shared with me how one by one, people were sharing testimony to this committee and they didn't seem to be moved. Mm -hmm. You know, they were getting bored, if anything, probably after hours and hours, one would think that they would, but people would testify saying, Mm -hmm. look, I can tell that we're probably not changing your mind, right? but we want you to know that this is still a good thing because some of us have been waiting our whole life right. to be able to share our story, exactly. to be able to publicly share our experience, and now we have a platform right. to do that. So thank you. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to ask you about a, a Facebook status from the other day that was somewhat troubling about about your son. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that. So. Yeah, I, I posted uh, the other night on Facebook. I said, um, ain't nothing that can make a Christian parent ask Jesus for a timeout more than sixth grade bullies. And <laughs> it got a lot of comments, 76 comments mm. so far. Wow. And a whole lot of people uh, sharing things with me on Facebook. But I also had people reaching out to me directly mm-hmm. and it raised so much about bullying right where when i posted that it was coming from a place of desperation sure. and frustration and i needed to you know have support to know that there are other people besides my spouse and myself that are loving mm-hmm. my boy and and um making sure that he's okay mm-hmm. um our daughter as well but thankfully she to date hasn't experienced this kind right. of stuff. And what happened was people, there was an outpour of that support, but people also shared stories with me about they themselves being bullied mm-hmm. or they themselves being bullies mm-hmm. wow. or being on both sides of that. Yeah. And in a lot of the testimonies that people were sharing with me, uh, people would say, I thought that I'd dealt with this or I thought that I had left this behind, but clearly I hadn't because when I read that post, I started thinking about my own experience and I was brought to tears. Mm. So all that goes to say there's so much about bullying that gets under our skin and stays there. Mm -hmm. And it's a part of our ongoing experience that we need to deal with. And and I, I, I guess I'm glad that my son is doing better this week mm-hmm. um, than he was when he initially shared this news with us. But um, I also uh, feel like we need to continue having these conversations about bullying and its effects, right. not just in our school, but even no, in sure. our adult and, life, the stuff that we have. Yeah, and so much more with. now with social media, too. And, uh, you know, I'm continuously being harassed by uh, white nationalists and anti-Semites on, on Twitter. Um, and, you know, even as an adult, it's, it's fortunately I've, I, I block so many people that there's very few people left to, left to bully me, uh, thanks to privacy controls. So, but it impacts so many. Well, thank you for asking. I really appreciate it. And like I said, it's an ongoing thing and we'll see where it goes. But to all the folks who responded to that Facebook post and otherwise with support and and prayers and good vibes thank you and we're going to shift gears now because yes we've got a friend of ours coming to visit with us um imam islam Mossad, and Looking so we'll be right back with more reverend dan and rabbi matt podcast 
right, welcome back to the Reverend Dan and Rabbi Matt podcast. We are really, really excited to have our first guest to the podcast, our friend Imam Islam Assad. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you. I look forward to the conversation. This is exciting. Yes, sir. We've been uh, looking forward to it, too. Yeah, so absolutely. You want to just jump right in? Yeah, so um, for all of our guests on their devices, um, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be in, in Aggieland? Sure, sure. So uh, first, begin with the name of God, the most gracious, the most merciful. Uh, so basically, I uh, came here uh, three months ago, and I was in Austin before that and served as an imam there. Um, and also worked as an engineer. And so I wanted to get back into serving in the community and call a station. I was looking for an imam, and I was looking for a mosque, and so it worked out pretty well. Um, and uh, call a station uh, has been a place that I've actually been coming to since I was young uh, between the two Muslim student associations, mm-hmm. the one at University of Texas and the one at Texas A&M yeah. that had some collaboration so it's good now to settle here and I look forward to continuing uh, to grow uh, with the community. And you're the first imam in the history of the ICBCS? No, maybe the third. Okay. Maybe the third imam. But they haven't had an imam for a while. Okay. And so coming in, uh, just look to infuse uh, already what is an energetic community, infuse it with more energy and uh, more vitality and bringing in uh, the students with the mosque as well as uh, connecting with the professionals who may be in this area as well. Right. See, Rabbi Matt's throwing out acronyms. You're already throwing Sorry. out the ICBCS. ICBCS, the Islamic Community of Bryan College Station, right. the official That's name right. of the mosque. That's right. Yes. And you've had a couple open houses? Yes, we had uh, an open house, uh, Meet Your Muslim Neighbor. Uh, we've had uh, a lot of requests uh, for speaking engagements, uh, for classes, uh, who are uh, at Texas A&M University to come and see the mosque. We had a journalism class come, and uh, they experienced uh, and tested some of their journalistic uh, repertoire. And so it was uh, very good to have them come, and similar groups as well have been coming to the mosque. And my Hello community really appreciates your participation in Friday night services a couple weeks ago. That oh, was, yes, I thoroughly was, enjoyed it. That was yeah. awesome for all of us. We, yeah, I enjoyed, we loved it. I enjoyed hearing. it. Um, and you know everyone is is talking about your your chanting of the Quran. It was just so okay. beautiful. And maybe at some point later in the podcast, you can chant oh, a little sure, for us. Sure. Um, can you can you give our listeners a brief overview of of Islam? Sure. So Islam is to surrender to the will of the one God. Uh, this is the same God of Abraham, of Moses, of Jesus, and of Muhammad, and He is also the Creator uh, of the whole universe. Uh, beginning with the first human being of Adam. And so Islam is to surrender to him uh, completely. And the form that it takes is the one given to who we believe is the last messenger of God, and that's Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, who came some uh, 600 years after Jesus, uh, peace be upon him. Um, Some people have compared it uh, to uh, Judaism and described Islam as a universalized Judaism. So I don't know if that's fair or not, uh, but we have a lot in common with both Jews and Christians, um, namely the belief in one God and the monotheism that comes uh, with that. And in addition, as Muslims, uh, we come from so many different parts of the world. Our mosque probably has more than 50 different countries of origin. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it spread very quickly uh, from the beginning and became uh, a global faith. 
And uh, today there are maybe one and a half billion Muslims uh, throughout the world. Wow. How, about how many Muslims are, are there locally? I, I would say around a thousand. Okay. Um, and it could be a little bit more than that sure. if you add some of the surrounding uh, at least towns a few, and cities. Yeah. Several hundred on campus at least. Oh, right? yes, definitely. A definitely. bunch of faculty. And, so for our Friday service, which yeah. is the main service of the week, we have uh, more than 500 people attending. Wow, so that's incredible. That's on a Friday. So there are other um, preoccupations that a person may be having, work responsibilities, sure. etc. So not everybody is showing up. Wow. I was wondering, speaking about how many people are attending, yeah. the with the open houses, yeah. there was one that I attended prior to you coming to Bryan College Station, yeah. and it was it was good attendance, but at the open house that happened pretty soon after you got here, yeah. the place was packed. Right. Um, and I know that you've got to draw because you're an amazing person, but in all seriousness, do you think that that there's other factors that have to do with this heightened interest in coming to an, an open house now sure, at the mosque. Sure, I think part of the motivation for doing the la- the latest open house that we did uh, was to express our gratitude to those who had been coming out in support of the Muslim community uh, with some of the recent uh, attacks on mosques and some of the um, really negative um, connotations which are coming out against Islam and Muslims in the United States. And so as a response to that, I think people wanted to show, come and show that they still are supporting the Muslim community and that they want to engage the Muslim community positively. And so it was uh, basically a statement, in my opinion, from this community, from the College Station community against bigotry, against hatred, uh, against, uh, you know, just uh, closed-mindedness. And so I think it's just the... Counteract, counteraction to uh, the increased Islamophobia is also an increased expression of love and companionship, friendship uh, as well. So Yeah, here, here. That, that was palpable. I, I just mm-hmm. I remember when we were there and it was this outpour that it's not just, I feel, a gesture of, um, of saying we're, we're here, we've got your back, we support you. But it's also when people come together like that and see each other and how many of us there are, then that strength gets bigger and encourages even more people to, to come out. Yeah, it does make a big difference when we meet face-to-face, the same way that we're doing right here. Um, so you have an imam, a rabbi, a pastor. Uh, it's not the beginning of a joke or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but but to meet in person is different. It is, but it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to meet in, different is, in, in person is very different from uh, just speaking over emails or, or sending each other messages. Uh, so, uh, for example... Um, when the Jewish community was also being attacked uh, recently, uh, some uh, some of the uh, cemeteries which were desecrated and so right. on, um, you know, we just sending an email to Rabbi Matt was coupled with our previous meetings in person, mm-hmm. and uh, in that way, we're able to show solidarity as well with the Jewish community, the same way they've been showing solidarity with the Muslim community. So right, it's and, and the, the arson in Victoria, just incredibly devastating for the community. Are, are you in touch with that community, and how are they doing? And So they were overwhelmed by the positive response. I That's think everybody was. Uh, I great. think they collected close to a million dollars within a few days. 
from people all over the United States. Right. I don't know if it's outside the United States as well. But uh, most of those who donated were not Muslims, mm-hmm. but they wanted to express their support. And so that really speaks volumes to the uh, fabric of the American uh, people, um, which which is still uh, a good a good people. And, and that's something that we have our faith in as well, that uh, going forward, uh, this country will be uh, lifted up by its good citizens, um, and the negative voices will be drowned out, and either will uh, remain uh, in the shadows, or will even transform and become a positive voice. And that's what our hope is. Yeah, transformation would be great, but <laughs> yes. they can also climb back under the rocks where they they were before. <laughs> right, and the so we've got to keep at it. Absolutely. I mean, the, well, it was something else that we wanted to talk with you about was this white nationalism mm-hmm. yeah. is something that of course has existed for a good long while been right. under the rocks as mm-hmm. you were just saying but now it's out and everybody for the most part knows what this word means this, this these buzzwords of white nationalism um and they're threatening and insidious and we were curious how your community at the uh at the mosque are dealing with this rise in white nationalism and that rhetoric yeah, sure. So I think the the mosque here uh, about a year ago uh, also had a shooting where nobody, thank God, was hurt or anything, but the mosque was actually shot up. Um, and so definitely there's a concern. Uh, some people are pushing for more security at the mosque. Uh, the mosque is a very open place. It's open five times a day. But even in the times where there is no prayer, it's a very open uh, environment where anybody can come in. And, and speak, uh, and anybody can come in and seek uh, spiritual uh, rejuvenation and well-being. Um, and so we have a lot of guests, and we don't want that to uh, be uh, in any way uh, affected if we do increase security measures. So that's one side, is just the security issues. The other side has just been the education. We've mm-hmm. been seeing more of a need for uh, greater involvement and greater engagement, and that's what I'm trying to do uh, as well uh, by meeting, uh, for example, with the campus ministries. Uh, and uh, there are some other interfaith meetings coming up that looking forward to engage in. But beyond the uh, religious community, I think we need to find ways to engage the general public uh, as well. And so uh, until we make a really good Hollywood movie about Islam and Muslims, uh, it's just a lot of grassroots uh, work. That would be great to have a positive portrayal uh, yes, of, of yes. Muslims in, in Hollywood. I think the, the latest one, or the last one that I can remember was in the 70s. It mm. was called The Message, starring Anthony Quinn. Mm. Um, and so it had a positive portrayal about the early beginnings of Islam. Yeah, we've got work to do. Yes, <laughs> yes. <we> sure do. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it, it, some of the other things that we wanted to ask you about, just because there may be some people who are specifically tuning into this podcast because you are on it, and just some simple questions. Tell us uh, uh, about your attire. Tell us about what sure. you're wearing. Sure. So I'm wearing what's called a thobe, which is kind of like a long robe. It's uh, in this case white. Can be different colors. Um, for both men and women, they're encouraged to dress uh, modestly. Uh, as an imam, uh, a lot of times they'll be wearing these longer uh, robes with a, with a skull cap, which we call a kufi. Um, and uh, it's, 
you know, religious attire in the sense of the religious leader would usually be dressed in something like that. But also, uh, for example, yesterday we had an event and I was wearing a suit and uh, that was also fine. Um, some of the uh, other aspects of dress uh, would include um, and showing, not showing extravagance in the way one dresses, uh, not showing excessive excessiveness, uh, but rather being modest and showing uh, humbleness in the way that one dresses and carries themselves as well. Okay. So when you're out and about, yeah. Um, do you are you stared at? What's it like being in the community here? Have- I think College Station, um, especially the campus area, it's been pretty open-minded. I think a lot of the stereotypes about College Station, it's kind of like stereotypes against Muslims when actually right. people meet a Muslim those go away. And I think the same thing when people actually meet an Aggie. Right. Uh, <laughs> that is like the stereotypes of... And you're a Longhorn. You should, I'm we a Longhorn, point out. yes. But I'm yes. sitting here with two Longhorns. Two yes. Longhorns from two different faiths. Right. We bleed orange, so... Um, I'd like to tell you about my attire in that respect. So I'm wearing some burnt orange Converse. Yes, right <laughs> there you go. And, and do people too. stare at you when you're out and about? They in those do. I get horrible stares. Converse, do people try to gig you? In all seriousness, the funny thing is, I can wear as much burn orange ut stuff uh as i want and uh-huh. folks will snicker and play right. around but if i ever dress my children in that oh, oh my gosh really? that's when the stairs come out uh, for I, them at school or it's, just when you're no no, no other adults will say oh my gosh what a disgrace oh my god yeah <laughs> they're playing they're playing <laughs> but even still i'm just saying that when you, you dress the kids in that stuff that's when it gets real right i mean i think for me there's some initial staring if you will but then after that everybody just goes about their own normal business um I like it when I'm when I am approached and people ask questions mm-hmm. and they're just wondering. Right. Um, so that's always a positive thing. I uh, haven't had that happen to me in in College Station yet, but it's happened frequently in Austin, uh, where I could just be at an IHOP, for example, and I'm with my Muslim friend, mm-hmm. and someone just decides to, oh, can I join you and ask you a few questions? And uh, so those are always welcome. And so if somebody uh, notices a Muslim and engages them, I think most Muslims would would welcome that and uh, they want a reason to share uh, what they are experiencing as Muslims. That seems to be uh, the experience that I've noticed here in College Station in contrast with Austin. I would have to really think back uh, um, to think about what that might be like having lived in this community for nearly 12 years at this point since moving from Austin. But there is a sense of of neighborliness that we share this community together. And you mentioned before the the shots being fired at the mosque, right. and that was in the summer in right. the relentlessly hot time of right. year. And we we asked for community members to come and stand around the mosque in in solidarity and and standing guard um, while our our friends were inside praying and. What I found at that occasion was it's hot, it's the middle of the summer, yet more than 100 people showed up and stood together mm-hmm. and stayed together. There were city council members, there were other uh, civic offici- city officials and uh, clergy and all members of the community who were basically saying to each other whether we know 
a lot about Islam or very little, whether we have some level of understanding or none at all, this is not something that stands in our community. This is an offense against us as a people, against our neighborhood. And that was really inspiring mm-hmm. to see, really yeah. motivating to see. Yeah. And the Muslim prayer goers, they still remember that till today. And they talk about oh, it, yeah. even though I wasn't here, but they talk about it and show a lot of appreciation as well as respect for that uh, more than a gesture. I mean, it was uh, something very... Um, uh, very manifest in terms of the societal or the social uh, network that is here in, in Bryan College Station uh, and the community support that we're getting. So, But at the same time, on that same note, I remember that when it was done that someone from inside the mosque came out and addressed the crowd with, with gratitude but then said, now what will you do? Don't don't wait until the next shooting for right. this to happen. And I, you could get the sense that people in that moment were really taking that to heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it stuck with me, certainly. And um, members of my congregation who were there as well still mentioned that comment. What? Don't wait until the next shooting. What will you do next? So yeah. proactively, it's great that the three of us are having this conversation but what else can we do right. um, as religious leaders what, what what can we do from our respective communities to to not wait until the next shot is fired I'm just throwing that out yeah I think um, like what we're doing right now having conversation as well as education uh, but reaching out to those who wouldn't be listening to this podcast mm-hmm. I think is the challenge yeah um, and to to change those sorts of uh, ideas that lead to negative uh, behaviors and even attacks is the biggest challenge that we we are facing now as a community is how to uh, reach reach those kind of individuals and um, if we are unable to reach them I think it goes back to securing the premises uh, of mosques and maybe we have to consider having extra security I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, the uh, the Dell Jewish Community Center in Austin, they have a lot of heightened security and right. probably because they received a lot of threats and those kind of things. So uh, we're looking forward to um, find that right balance of security and openness uh, that a place of worship should have. Right. Yeah, for us, we have Passover coming up on April 10th, and that's always a day along with our high holidays of Rosh Hashanah, the New Year, and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement in the fall, when we do hire off-duty law enforcement to be at Hillel, to, to be a presence, because the community is aware of those days, and yeah. God forbid, um, if they wanted to attack our community those would be days that they would do it. So yeah. we unfortunately live in, in troubling times and have to have to do that. Yeah. Um, on a lighter note, um, both of our traditions have different, very different food ways from mm-hmm. the norm and the normal community. Right. I know a lot about kosher. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about halal? Sure, sure. So um, halal and, and meat, what it goes back to is in an environment of paganism and polytheism where animals were being sacrificed to various deities is that uh, Muslims or Semitic tradition in general wanted to be distinguished 
in that they were making when they sacrificed their meat or when they slaughtered their meat that it was being done uh, seeking the blessing of the one God. And so uh, halal has to do with how an animal is slaughtered. It should be done in, uh, in a humane way, and it should be done uh, without invoking the name of other gods and deities except for the one God. And in, in College Station, we have a few uh, places where you can get halal meat. Uh, the larger uh, uh uh, city close by would be Houston. A right. lot of people that go to Houston and get their meat. I saw that HEB yeah. on Texas now has an end cap with halal products. Yes, and, and they go really, pretty fast. The yeah. chicken I hear goes pretty <laughs> fast. Um, but halal, I mean, it would be good to couple it also with uh, the organic food movement mm-hmm. um, and just healthy living. That's what the Quran instructs us: is that to eat of the good of the earth, uh, and and so this way. Um, we seek to uh, enhance our life as human beings uh, as well. Some of what else, uh, what are the other foods that we can't eat besides uh, pork and uh, swine would be uh, we don't drink alcohol uh, as Muslims uh, and uh, pretty much any other food that is there we can we can eat from it uh, as long as it was again uh, slaughtered in the correct manner. So you're willing to, you can go out to restaurants and not eat a meat meal. You're okay you can probably eating eat anywhere. Fish. Yeah, you can eat okay. fish. And uh, there are some Muslims who follow a particular ruling, uh, mm-hmm. which is that uh, the food of the people of the book, the people of the book would refer to Jews and Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a verse of the Quran that the food of the people of the book has, made, has been made lawful to you, and your food is lawful to them. And so based on that, um, I can have a nice a kosher Reuben sandwich. Mm. <laughs> if only we had that here. <laughs> if we only, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and some extend it as well, saying that the majority of this country is Christian, mm. uh, that you can eat the food from this country because there are also people of okay. the book as well, as long as you mention the name of God before you uh, actually eat from that particular meal. Yeah. Unfortunately, the only kosher meat available in the entire area is our Hebrew national hot dogs. Okay. Um, otherwise, we have to get all of our meat from outside the area. And, of course, there's no, no kosher restaurants. But um, do you have a favorite place you, you like to eat in, in the area? Um, I think we had lunch at Blue Baker, our official, oh, yeah. non, our official non-sponsor sponsor right. of the podcast. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there's we're, a, there's a Persian restaurant uh, that, that it's not too bad. And so mm-hmm. I, like, I like to go there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask something else. Oh, so if if there were any kind of stereotype that you could dispel that informs Islamophobia, yet another one of those hateful buzzwords, Islamophobia tends to uh, get bolstered simply by misunderstanding. So are there any stereotypes that you'd like to speak to? Sure. Sure. I think besides uh, the common ones on women, on uh, violence— I think the biggest one is that Allah, which is the name for God in Arabic, is somehow a foreign deity or alien deity to the Judeo-Christian uh, world. And I think to dispel that, uh, just to give you an example, when, when, when the word is used, sharia, uh, sharia law, and if we were to actually just translate that into English, it means God's law. And I think a lot of the people who are saying we don't want Sharia, 
if they said it in English, we don't want God's law, then they would have a lot of their base saying, what do you mean? We like God's laws. And um, so I think trying to dispel the idea that uh, Allah, what the name for the one God, uh, is somehow uh, going to belief in that one God somehow makes you uh, totally different and totally alien to the culture that we exist in. Um, so I think just focusing on uh, the the key key ideas of theology within Islam uh, that people will begin to understand, wait a minute, they're not worshipping a human being, they're not worshipping uh, some sort of idol, but they're worshipping the same God that Abraham worshipped, uh, that Moses worshipped, that Jesus worshipped, and that Muhammad also worshipped. Also, another thing that I was wondering about um, is how in our respective traditions, you can cherry pick different verses from Torah, from the Quran, from the Bible uh, to be able to back up whatever agenda or opinion you have. <laughs> yes. And that can also be done from from an outside perspective. And, and for example, what I'm getting at is I, I notice from time to time I've seen shirts or hats that people wear that just say infidel. Mm. Right. Which I know is coming from one verse being pulled from Quran. I was wondering if you could speak sure. to that as well. Sure. So the word actually used for a non-believer is it's an Arabic word called kafir, uh, which means one who is covering the truth. So from the Muslim perspective, one who doesn't believe in God or doesn't believe in the Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him, or doesn't believe in life after death is denying something which we see is is the truth. However, they're to be treated with respect. Uh, they're to be treated with uh, even compassion. There's a verse of the Quran which states that Allah forbids you not with respect to those who are not fighting you because of your religion or expelling you from your homes, that you deal with them with love and that you deal with them with justice in the very least, for Allah loves those who are just. And so the verses about fighting the disbelievers in the Quran have to do with aggression, not with the faith background. And so uh, in the context of the Arab society, where the tribal tradition was to be at war instead of to be at peace with your neighbors, the Muslims, the early Muslim community was facing battle after battle from aggressive uh, tribes. And so this is why there are certain verses in the Quran prescribed uh, for fighting in defense of one's uh, uh, self, one's uh, nation as well. So what I'd love to see is for the few folks in this community that I've seen wearing a, a shirt that says infidel <laughs> for uh, my Muslim friends to go up to them and give them a big hug. I, I, don't, I don't know what they would do with that. And I think that a lot of what will change people's minds, you mentioned earlier about people not listening to this podcast are the ones that we need right. to reach. Yeah. Um, I couldn't agree more. But perhaps one way that we can reach them and, and reach each other is by more uh, visual demonstrations of interfaith collaboration, mm -hmm. cooperation, and, and love. Right. So much of what is depicted is of divisiveness. And even when there is, even when there are opportunities for us to work together across our differences in, in faith tradition, it's at a press conference or, again, some reaction to a shooting like at the mosque. Right. So that's good news, but it's tense news. Mm -hmm. Where is the, you know, more right. proactive 
fellowship and 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 happiness and joy that's mm-hmm. shown. We we need more of that. I, I don't know exactly how to yeah. exactly. make that but happen, the, but, but visual the, visual demonstrations change people's minds. Right, but at the same time, those those comings together, um, you know, they're being broadcast widely by the local media, and people are seeing us come together. And those who wouldn't listen to the podcast otherwise are are, are seeing religious leaders of various faiths come together. Right, and just that has such an impact. Okay, yeah, I I agree. I think. That if we can do certain projects uh, together, whether it's helping helping with the homeless situation, uh, helping uh, feed the poor, uh, those are the common grounds that our faith traditions are promoting. And that if we can come together on those areas of common ground and common uh, service, uh, that would be very welcome in the community. I think probably uh, each... Uh, congregation is doing its own service projects, but I know before I came here, uh, there was uh, with the Friends uh, Church, there was a collaboration to uh, provide uh, clothing for for Syrian uh, Syrian refugees and camps and so on. So I think that that would be an example of coming together positively across faith traditions and making a difference in this world. There's, I know that Habitat for Humanity... I was just going to say Habitat. Yeah, go ahead, we, should, go ahead. We, should, we should come together and do a Habitat. Right. Well, they, they have. We've, we've never done it, to my mm-hmm. knowledge. But I know Friends Congregational did a Habitat house on their own uh, years ago. But Habitat also has uh, Habitat for Humanity, something called, I think it's Abraham House or mm-hmm. House of Abraham, where they encourage... Our respective faith traditions to come together well, to we'll, we'll build definitely a have to look into house. it. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. I guess Imam Islam, the most important question I have for you is: Do you think that if uh, you and Matt had an arm wrestling competition, <laughs> that you could? Take I would it? lose. I would absolutely lose. Okay. Yeah. Then it doesn't I, even I give up. I'm, I'm not even. You can see. Maybe it depends. Right handed or left handed. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to thumb wrestle. I'm not going to arm wrestle. Is there a verse in Torah about which which arm it has to be? Right <laughs> Probably. Oh, so that r- brings me back to Sharia, you know, which, yeah. as I understand, is the same as halakha, which is Jewish yes. law. Yeah. And it's 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 just a, a way of life. It's just right. you know, Jewish law prescribes. From the time you get up to the time you go to sleep, this is how you act, and that's what I understand. I understand it to be synonymous with Sharia, right? And it's it's more than just religious law; it's life law. Yes, and especially like family, right. uh, where it would be applied in America is a lot of the family affairs, getting married, getting a divorce, exactly. uh, dealing with those kind of situations that Muslims have a particular way. Uh, however, if somebody is going to go to the uh, to the justice. Uh, judicial mm-hmm. uh, route, uh, then there's nothing to stop them saying, oh, since you're a Muslim, you can't go to the secular, right. exactly. the secular route. I can only perform a wedding for someone who's been secularly divorced as long as they also have a religious divorce okay. in a Jewish court. Okay. So yeah, we, yes. have, we have our own religious courts as well. Yes. No one's talking about banning halakha. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Muslims, they respect the laws of this country and they are living by the laws of this country. At the same time, they're bringing what we believe are divine commandments, and so long as they don't conflict with the laws of this country, there should be uh, room for that in a pluralistic society. Um, and, you know, it scares people when, when you talk about things like Muslim courts. And, right. uh, but it would be for Muslims who, want, who are willingly wanting to uh, engage exactly. in that as opposed to forcing 
you know, that's another one of those myths that we're trying to force other people to follow right. our religion or to be subjected to the commandments of Islam. It's quite the opposite. There's to be no compulsion in religion. Uh, this is a stated verse of the Quran, uh, and that people are are free to choose uh, their particular uh, faith and what and how their life will be shaped by that faith. We have a line in the Talmud, a law from the Talmud that is "Dina Malchut Dina." The law of the land is the law, yes. and when the law of the government in which we live conflicts with Jewish religious law, the law of the land in which we live takes precedence. Yes, yes. And Jesus talks about coming to fulfill the law, which is always a source of tension in mm. uh, deciphering texts where Jesus is standing up to the powers that be and the right. authorities. And yeah. how do we reconcile that? It's an ongoing dialogue with the texts. Yeah. Well, I think I think just to just to capitalize on that note, I mean, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he said that the best jihad or the best struggle is to speak the word of truth to a tyrant. Mm-hmm. So I think while we're sp- respecting the laws, those laws which are oppressive or those laws which are discriminatory, right. uh, such as what's coming out from the current administration, um, that we should speak up against uh, those sorts of uh, uh, laws or those sort of executive orders, and uh, we can organize against them as been taking place, uh, and also use the the legal system in a positive way uh, to counter some of the uh, more oppressive uh, sorts of executive orders that were coming out. Amen. I think, that is, yeah, and on the same note or similar is uh, Jesus talking about you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, but sometimes that gets interpreted from a uh, an obsessive way of looking at it, that the mm-hmm. truth being an acceptance of Jesus, mm. and that's never what Jesus is trying to get across about himself. Right. The truth has much more to do with putting people over legalism, mm-hmm. and that's an ongoing struggle, especially right. with what you just described. We yeah. need to be vigilant in that, too. Anything else that you'd like to yeah. share on the podcast before we sign off? Uh, no, I, I think I've just been feeling uh, a lot of uh, a lot of warm uh, welcome here in College Station, and look forward to meeting you all who are hearing us face to face. And uh, don't be afraid to come up and introduce yourself, and I'd be happy to meet you all. Um, and College Station is small enough that we can form tighter knit uh, communities, uh, as well as building together for uh, not only for ourselves but also for our children's futures as well. Absolutely. And uh, check out an open house. They're really awesome at the mosque and very welcoming. So, Imam Islam Mossad of the Islamic Community of Bryan College Station Mosque, thank you for being on yes. the podcast with us. It's been great. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. So that was great. Glad to have him as a guest. That was fantastic. Fantastic. It was amazing. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. That, that concludes our show today. And if you have any other feedback you want to give us or other things you'd like for us to be talking about, please reach out. Um, and to carry us out from today's podcast, here again is Imam Islam. So now this is uh, a few passages from the Holy Quran. Uh, it's speaking about uh, the blessed... Uh, lands, uh, the fig and the olive, uh, as well as uh, Mecca, and then the human being and the human condition aspiring for a greater heights similar 
to the blessing of the earth uh, to be blessed by God uh, in person as human beings. So the following is the Arabic recitation. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والتين والزيتون وطور سينين وهذا البلد الأمين لقد خلقنا الإنسان في أحسن تقويم ثم رددناه أسفل سافلين إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات فلهم أجر غير ممنون فما يكذبك بعد بالدين أليس الله بأحكم الحاكمين